So this is Kieran, uh, and um, hi, Kieran. Hello, hello, church. <laughs> Anything special happen this week, Kieran? <laughs> For those who don't know, I got engaged on Friday. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. I, I I'm also excited. Wonderful. This is the last Sunday I'm eating Do you pepper know, I spray. Want, I want to say something about this. Uh, I, I know it's not conventional, and you suffered with me. Thank you. Um, there is a book uh, that some of this is based on. It's called Questions for the Creator. It's written by a guy called Taylor Holmes. I think you can find it on all the online platforms. He has researched the idea of how Jesus, the various ways in which Jesus taught. One of them is through a question and answer format. He found out that there were 113 questions in the New Testament, uh, in the Gospels, posed to Jesus, actually in conversation with Jesus. Of the 113 questions, I think 52, Jesus asked people questions, and the, the rest, people asked Jesus something. And you know, that format is something we shouldn't fear. Because I think that there is, I mean, the whole conversation with Nicodemus, Nicodemus comes and says, what is this whole being born again thing? And yet that conversation, which was not done in a church service, but actually in a private conversation late at night, according to Scripture, has given us one of the greatest phrases of Christianity, that you ought to be born again. It's only mentioned there. And um, there's, a, there's a mirror of that. There's actually a place in Ephesus, uh, Tyrannus Hall, where Paul the Apostle stationed there for two years. And the Bible says people came and asked him questions. And when he answered them, the Bible goes on to say in the book of Acts that they went home and searched the Scriptures to see if what he had said was so. And there is a format there that I think is really beautiful. So we, I thought we would launch the year like this and do a little four-part series and engage on conversation. So tonight, a little different. Mm. I think before we continue, I think we have to thank you for your boldness, oh, right. for your courage in uh, answering some tough questions here, for eating some hot spices. I think they've been incredibly insightful and they've launched a lot of conversations at home. So yeah, yeah I much appreciate it. Thank you. I've... <laughs> And interesting, the number of questions have escalated over the week. So I think the largest number of questions we got was last week. Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to do it a little different tonight. We've got some guests who have who want to share in the uh, faith-stretching exercise. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited so to welcome let's them welcome, up. So let's welcome up our first guest. Sash. Please, church, welcome him up. Sash Gosai. How are you, sir? Is your mic? Uh, you got engaged a couple of months ago. Yes. How I long have. have you been engaged now? Quite some time now. Is it? <laughs> Let me Sorry. just leave it there. It's been lockdown, eh? I forgot. There's a whole lockdown that happened in between. Well, congratulations. Thank Ash. you, Pastor George. Yeah, nice to have you. What we've done is we've given you guys all the same heat, uh, a moderate heat. Mine will escalate to the uh, death by hot sauce at the end, yeah? So would you like to uh, pose a question? And while you pose a question, I'll eat the first one, which is a Nando's mild but mean sauce. And then while I answer it, you can eat one, please. Okay, sure. Not a problem. And uh, see how you do. Okay. Yeah, let's go. Okay, so basically my first question, if you could elaborate on uh, the Bible when it says uh, Jesus... Uh, Helped his disciples, well, heal them with manna. 
Um, so did Jesus uh, light one up for a brother? Or did he give some space cakes? Um, yeah, uh, if you could uh, share some light on that one for us, please. Thanks. Okay, look, um, I knew where you were going. Because there's a community of people out there who thinks that manna was a form of marijuana. Which is why it kept them going in the wilderness. And, um, and if you listen to the president's speech, instead of the nation it is, he really lent into, like on three or four occasions, how we're going to start this whole industry of, um, of, of hemp and, um, and the cultivation of, uh, you know, CBD and all of that. Um, actually, the Bible literally describes manna mm-hmm. uh, as having no earthly uh, chemical in it. The word manna from the Hebrew translation literally means a substance with no earthly characteristics. So we don't know what it was, but we know it wasn't earthly. And that would make sense to me because it came from heaven. The quail, of course, were normal, you know, pheasants. But the manna was something else. It's so important that it's heavenly that God put it in the Ark of the Covenant. So in the Ark of the Covenant, there's a bowl of manna. It is something from heaven on earth. And it links with the scripture that says, give us this our daily bread, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is a connection of the daily bread in the Lord's prayer with manna in the Old Testament. And it is the idea of a little bit of heaven on earth. So try not to get high on earthly substances, <laughs> but, but have a go on spiritual ones. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. Cool. Next question. I think you have two for me. Yeah. Um, so what is your whole view on the metaverse? And um, in terms of being a pastor, like uh, what's your views on it? And uh, like for Christians, what, what is your advice on, on this whole uh, metaverse? Okay. Um, there is a pastor in the, in, in, the, um, in the States who's already gone down the space. So if you know of a guy called Chad Veach, He's opened a church in the metaverse. Now, don't be confused. It's not just online. You literally have to transact. You have to buy a plot to open a thing, have a building, buy a chair. But you use sort of cryptocurrency. Um, so here's my feeling. There are dangers. But there are dangers in everything. Uh, if there are people in any universe, I would like the gospel to be preached there. I think we should not shrink back and say, well, it's a little bit too complicated for us, a little bit too frightening for us, a little bit too technical for us. I think we must stay ahead of the game. I think I will look better in the metaverse personally. My avatar can be taller. (laughs) Um, But I am aware of the dangers and the dangers are not on the gospel. The dangers are that people who should be interacting with other people uh, and need some people to, to push them out of their insecurities and their isolation might sink into uh, loneliness. But I'm not going to be afraid of the metaverse. I do think that we might need to control the fact that it is dominated by one or two people in the world right now. I'm not sure I like that. But let the gospel go everywhere. Yeah. And um, that's, that's an, a vital part of it. I mean, for example, you'd be interested to know that one of the largest spectator sports in the world 
is gaming. Yeah. Are you a gamer? Uh, yes, I am. Oh, you're a gamer. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. It's so big that thousands of people will watch two people game. Now, the church must be very careful that we don't decide that the church exists in a building. Yeah. It does not. It didn't get a building until 400 years after it was started. When I went to Cyprus, I saw where church met, little caves under big trees. Yeah. That was the church. The church was here. And if there is a heart somewhere in the world, I'd like to find it and introduce it to Jesus Christ. That's mine. Thank you, Sage. Thank you so much, Pastor George. Pleasure. Thank you very much, Sash. We've got a few questions uh, from WhatsApp and email, yeah. and we'll ask one or two of those, and then we'll welcome up our next guest. Before you do that, could you just explain why I have a, a Justice League still water, and, and you have a pepper pig. Just a question. Someone came off service it. and insulted me saying that I didn't go for the hottest sauce. And that's why you got the cartoon water. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I right. didn't go for the hottest sauce. Uh, I, I think I'm a reasonable human being <laughs> who has many years to live. I don't, I, know these, don't... I don't know these questions. Also, you're getting engaged. So I don't know these questions, but would you like to ask them? Let's ask it. I haven't heard them. Sash, your phone is still here. I'm going to look after it for you. Okay. <laughs> okay, here's our first question. Okay. Uh, Joseph was a wise man that could interpret dreams before the seven years of famine. Is it a sin or against our beliefs as Christians to go and consult wise people to interpret our dreams? Um, I think so. It's a sin. And I'll tell you why that's a very blunt view. Joseph had something we can all have. The work and life of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, it was the king who went and consulted Joseph because Joseph had God on him. We who have God ought to have people coming to consult with us. Why are you, who has the Spirit of God, going to go surrender to the wisdom of the world? That, is a, that doesn't make sense. Now, what about amongst ourselves? Well, that's the spirit of prophecy. There's the, the spirit of God at work through the gift of a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and prophetic insight. Absolutely. But there we don't consult people. We ask for agreement. You see? And then God continues to do that. God continues to interpret dreams. Right now in the church, in the life of the believer, God gives dreams and interprets dreams. God gives tongues and interprets those. God gives vision and interprets vision. But do you take that outside of the spirit of the, of the, the Holy Spirit and take it into the spirit of the world? No, I don't think you should do that. I think that's unwise. It's unwise. I don't know if it's a sin, but it is unwise. Uh, in the book of Acts, we talked about the book of Acts. That verse where I said that the people went and they searched the scriptures to see if it was so, the very next verse they said, they brought all their books about witchcraft and about idolatry and they burnt them. And the price of those books was a certain amount, I forget. And then the next verse says, and the word of the Lord grew mightily among them and God did miracles. You might just need to close the back door of your life spiritually and be fully invested in the door. I think that's wiser. Yeah, that's great. 
This is the one from you tonight. Okay. It's a good one. Next question. Here we go. This one's come up quite a bit. Everyone has a version of what happens when a loved one passes on. Some say they go to heaven or their spirits are still with us or there's purgatory and we need to pray for their souls. Um, What does the Bible say happens to a believer when they pass on? And are there things required of us who remain behind towards our loved ones who have passed on? Getting a bit spicy. Yeah, it's heating up a bit. Um, All right. Your statement was very important there. It said, what happens to a believer when they pass on? Excuse me. All right. Um, <clears throat> nothing we do uh, on this side. <laughs> I wish we didn't stop these around. I, <laughs> I was careful. It went the wrong way down. Um, can change the eternal destiny of a person. Nothing we do while they're living and nothing we do when they're dead can change it. It is all done by believing in Jesus Christ. He's quite shocked <clears throat> at my struggle. So, what happens to a person when they die and they are believers? Uh, they are immediately welcomed into their eternal home and are in full and unlimited relationship with the Trinity. Our problem is we measure things in time. So we think Yesterday, today, tomorrow, is there a period of waiting, a period of judging? Is there a date for it? But when you have no time, eternity happens timelessly, then you can't measure how long you've been dead for. When you return home, it will be like you never left. I think that's important. We're the ones who struggle with time. Heaven doesn't. Now, if you want to pray for your loved ones, you know, the Greek Orthodox, for instance, they have special days where they pray. No harm done. But don't feel guilty that you didn't do something and now they're waiting in a waiting room longer. That's not even in the Bible, so I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Okay? I think that really helps there. Yeah. On to our next, on to our next guest. Yes. Things are heating up. Yes, they are. <laughs> they sure are. Two out of five. Yeah, I, Lord have mercy on my soul. Um, <laughs> Could we please welcome up Neven to the stage? Now, history um, here, Neven and I have been friends for decades, 10 years at least, I think. Yeah. Uh, worked as a professional, been a pastor, uh, stand-up comedian, yeah. uh, podcaster and blogger and vlogger. And all-round debater. <laughs> so when Neven hinted on my in, in, uh, Facebook, he might come and ask questions. Some of his friends, his friends, messaged me and said, please don't do it. <laughs> is that not so? Yeah, no. In fact, good. Nesto is one of your friends. Yeah, and he, correct, just, yeah. he, just said, he just said, we can't do this to Pastor George. I just don't think it's right. <laughs> but I also know your heart. You see, I've got a journey with you, so I'm very comfortable with it. So that's the history, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, George. I appreciate that, man. I think it's important that what you said earlier, that we have context around questions. Yeah. Um, I don't think that every question is meant to be harmful. Yeah. And I think 
that often questions are an invitation to a larger conversation. Yeah. And uh, where I get my life of questioning from is from the scriptures. Um, I've, I'm a big fan of the scriptures. I've, I've tried to submerge myself in that space for a long time. And what I found was that questions are never almost shunned or pushed away in the scriptures, what you spoke about with yeah. Jesus. But even if we take it further back than Jesus, um, we have Abraham. God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. And his first question is, how, how is that going to I mean, this is the patriarch of our faith. Yeah. Sarah's not... Yeah, Sarah's not in a space there where she can, you know. So that que yeah. questioning element begins there. Yeah. And then we move on to, to Mary and God makes her promise and he says to her, I'm going to do something with you. And she asks a question as well. Yeah. And then the most pinnacle part of our faith, Jesus hangs on the cross and he asks a question, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. And so... God doesn't seem to shy away from these questions. He seems to be excited and he engages in it. I agree. So while you're getting ready for that, I need to ease Right. Eight. Is that okay? That's this right. This is 35,000 Scoville uh, and it's um, Tabasco. Only 35. So anything. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. You get ready to ask. Eh? So, so my question is in the context of, the, of the, the scriptures I just quoted is that does doubt have a place in the life of faith like with these previous people? Hmm. So can you doubt and have faith? Is that a fair <clears throat> summary of that question? Sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Do you know, I, I, my personal feeling is that I'm sweating. Um, my, my, this is the nasty one. My personal feeling about doubt is that it is the undeniable part of every believer's journey. You know, the disciples said, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. In every one of our lives, there, is, there are areas where our believing is confident, and then there are areas where our believing is, is shaky. I think we must remember that our faith is not built on our ability to believe. It is built on God's ability to rescue that's good. And I think that's very important because the minute anything I depend on is on my ability, I enter into human effort. Mm. That becomes dead works. Mm. And I'll be completely vulnerable here. <clears throat> that's the point of these things. Oh, it hits the lips heavy this day. <laughs> I feel like I've been kissed <laughs> by the devil. Um. You know, sometimes I, I come here on a Sunday and um, I, I know my own weaknesses and I know my own struggles and I sometimes stand in that, in that front row and I hope Vince will sing a little longer because um, I, I can hardly believe God has called me. Mm. And I, there is a tension of a little bit of an internal struggle every now and then that does not diminish the Savior. It may say something about me, the follower, but just never diminishes the Savior. Nothing you do can diminish the power of the blood of Jesus. You can't diminish the Savior. And that's a joy to me, because I'd hate to stumble and think that by accident I adjusted something in eternity. You know, like those movies where you can go back and you accidentally eat an apple and that messes the whole story up later. 
there's nothing I can do. Heaven is eternal, and I am its passenger. I hope that's helpful. Thanks. Cool. Are you okay there? I, I, I'm okay. Seems like you're struggling a bit there. More than before. Yeah. It's going to so, hurt a bit later, yeah, even more. Yeah. <laughs> it is true, yes. So, Have you got another one for Yeah, me? yeah, I've got one more. I think we, we, we've got a little bit of time. Yeah. So, um, well, um, so in theological terms, we speak about biblical inerrancy. And that's just a fancy word for people believing that every single word within the scriptures is exactly the way it should be and exactly the way God meant it. So over my, over my experience with engaging with the scriptures, I've, I've had some problems with some of the topics that the, the scriptures cover. And um, one of them is this issue of slavery that the scripture brings up because Paul actually encourages people to treat their slaves a certain way. So he doesn't kind of like, hey, listen, you can't do this. Yeah. He kind of gives them guidelines. How do we deal with those problem areas and uh, the issue of interpretation of scripture when it comes to hard issues like that? So that is true. There is an entire book in the New Testament called Philemon or Philemon, where Philemon or Philemon was a slave. He ran away from his slave master, landed up in jail. Paul was in jail. He leads him to Jesus and then says to him, go back to your master. You shouldn't have run away. But go with a letter and say that you've given your life to Christ. I'll write you the letter. And when you get there, you will say, I'm not only your slave, I'm now also your brother. I will serve you double. There's some problems with that. Because obviously there should be no slavery. And yet it is the very same gospel that says that in Christ Jesus we are are no longer male and female, slave and free, rich or poor, Greek or barbarian, but we are all one in Christ. Here's my take. That the gospel and the Bible has always been much further ahead in the liberty of the human spirit than mankind could cope. The more mature humanity becomes, the wiser we find the Bible has always been. That's so good, yeah. We're still wrestling with girls. Can they preach? Can they not preach? Can yeah. they? And we're still going to work our way towards neither male nor female. Yeah. The Bible was there. I think that as we as a society grows... We we grow not only as individuals, but as a collective. We can grow into the wisdom of the Bible. That presents a different problem. And that is that we can grow into dangerous territory. And I think society is busy doing that at the moment. That's good. Thanks, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Even thank you so much for your question. It's been a joy. We can do two more. Are you okay there, Pastor I'm okay. Okay, the Lord came through for me. In my hour of need, he delivered me. <laughs> There's a few more WhatsApp uh, questions. So this is the uh, California Reaper, California. 1.5 million Scoville. Go for it. This is a favorite question. It seems the drugs and the wine are are two favorites. In the Bible, Jesus turns water into wine, but those people at the wedding were already well into their drunkenness. (laughs) Did Jesus further their drunkenness? Is there context I'm missing or what? And there's like a very sad, annoyed face. There's a little emoji there. Mm. 
how many weddings does the person asking the question want to have? You know, um, I get the problem. The assumption is, excuse me, the assumption is that the way people conducted themselves with a lot of wine at a Jewish or Canaanite wedding would be the same as people did maybe at Barney's. Well, it's not the same thing. People didn't behave like that. And so there will have been a decent amount of wine, but I don't think that the alcohol level would have been sort of, you know, Russian vodka level. I did do research on that. I, I also think Jesus takes the question of wine further. Uh, the gospel does. It says, do not be drunk with wine wherein is dissipation. It's a heavy word. But what it means is, if you know what you are or who you are when you are drunk, that should guide you on what your limit is. You see, we keep looking at the alcohol. We say, should we stop the alcohol or should we not stop the alcohol? How much alcohol did the Bible say and how much? The, the alcohol isn't the problem. How you behave is the problem. The evaluation must be on you. Maybe if you just sip cough syrup, you start behaving like a lunatic. And we've got to introduce you to manna rather. I don't know, that was just a really bad joke. I don't think we should evaluate, you see, I don't think, the, I don't think we should evaluate the alcohol. I think we should evaluate you with alcohol. And you should sort yourself out, sort yourself you should sort yourself out. If you can't have even like a little bit of alcohol in the making of a, of a stew, don't do it. You know, if you get angry, kick the dog and shout at your wife, stop it. Drink grape juice. There is a different verse in the Bible that says, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, listen, if you've got some stomach cramps you're battling, then just have a little glass of wine at night, it'll ease it. That's also in the Bible. Now don't go looking for stomach cramps. But what is he saying? How do you respond to that? The same is true with a lot of things. What's your relationship boundary? Well, what's your personal pitfall? If it's too sexually stimulating to rub the earlobe of your spouse, then don't do it. You're provoking fire. But for somebody else, that's just gross. No, I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like I, I have no, no personal experience, but... I think, it's, I think it's very important that we stop evaluating the third party and just go in my heart. Lord, I know my heart. It's not good for me. That's great. That's really the answer to that question. That's great. I do think Christians took it a bit far and, and started accusing anybody who had a glass of wine at home or a bottle in their fridge as being unsaved. I mean, I grew up like that. I grew up like if you had a glass of anything... It was a sin. You know, once again, that's legalism. It does not honor the integrity of where each person is, is at. I do think that being drunk is sinful. Whatever drunk looks like for you, being drunk is sinful. Yeah. That's great. One more? I've got one more question for and one, one more very hot wing. This is this one. Uh, it's called the Insanity Source, and it's more than 3 million Scoville, but they won't tell you how much after that. Okay. Here we go. 
Why do so many good Christian people die when it seems to be before their time? Wow. Um, I'll finish eating this. Ah, oh, this is the one that gets me every time. Um, you know, at, at, at its... <clears throat> you could have warned me, Kieran. At its depth, that question has two parts to it. The one is, this is a good person. Why couldn't they live a full life? Implied in that, I know some really nasty people. Gangsters who make it to 90. You know, where's the justice in that? And I think we have to just be super vulnerable about this and say, that there isn't that kind of justice in the world. This planet is not a, a fair place. I almost just say that. There are people who are poor who shouldn't be poor. And there are people who are rich who shouldn't be rich. And I think um, I look forward to an eternity where there is a just king. And I look forward to an eternity where every tear is wiped away. And what you lost in opportunity on earth, you gain in opportunity in eternity. I love that this isn't the whole story. Just a little bit of it. And if um, you want to get through this, if you're hurting... Stop taking photos of this part. If you're hurting because you lost somebody, I just want to empathize with your sorrow and say that you don't lack faith because you're hurting. And even if you're a little angry, perhaps even with God, you don't lack faith. I, I just want you to know that even if you arrive at the gates of heaven still crying, he'll wipe the tear away. But this earth is not a just place. And uh, heaven is. And I look forward to that in the future. That's great. Wow. Yeah. Thank you very much. What a series. Is this as far as we're going? This is as far as we're going. So I, I know I feel a little better than last week. Last week I uh, thought I was going to throw up and it would become a meme. I'd finally be famous on TikTok <coughs> for being the pastor who threw up, I, I know this is unconventional. You know, we live in a world in which people want to ask and not just be told. And I want you to know that the gospel will stand questioning. And so will your faith. And I really want to encourage you, search the scriptures. We're launching 6 p.m. 2022. We will worship. We will preach. We will teach. We will grow. We will celebrate. We will laugh. We'll stay afterwards for coffee and maybe one day soki. We did that a couple of years ago. Um, but I want you to know, you can always come to the altar with your questions and Christ will welcome you. And so will we at Father's house. The door remains open for the journey of your faith to continue. Can you say amen to that? Well, let's stand together, everybody.
if you're watching online or, or you're here tonight and you've got a question or two, you're welcome to email it. You can keep doing that. But if you're here or online or you watch this as part of your YouTube viewing over the next couple of days, um, a few thousand people watch this. Um, I want to invite you to consider one fundamental question. Are you born again? And not, not perfect. I didn't ask that. And I'm not asking whether you've got it all worked out. You don't need to. You're the child. He's the parent. He has it worked out. You don't, you don't need to do calculus spiritually. You just need to say, hey, Dad, I, I need you. And if you've never answered that question, maybe this moment is the moment. And your response simply needs to be, I don't know everything, so I have unbelief there. But this I do believe that I'm incomplete and in fact spiritually broken or dead. And the way that part of my life is awakened to touch every other part of my life is that I very simply invite Jesus to be my Lord and Saviour by surrendering. I give Him consent to take my life and something switches on. And that which is broken that you try to fix every other way will will be repaired and restored. And that which is dead will come alive. And it's called the spiritual life. And it really governs the ebb and flow of every other part of your life. So we put a prayer up. We've got way over time tonight. We put a prayer up. And I'd like to invite you to consider praying it. And if you've never done it, please do so. Just in your heart. Or, or out loud if you want. Or stay afterwards and pray it with me. I'll, I'll, I'll sit here and if you can cope with my snivelly nose and hot lips. We'll... We'll, don't leave my lips alone, but we'll, we'll pray the prayer. And then you're welcome to come afterwards and get a Bible if you don't have one. But get going on your journey. You will come alive like never before. So here's the prayer. I'll say it out loud. I hope you'll join me. Dear Jesus, you said in the Bible that whoever hears your words and believes God sent you to set me free from my debts of sin has eternal life and will not be judged that has crossed over from death to life. I confess that I believe you and I receive salvation from my sins and new life in my soul. I now cross over from death to life in Jesus' name. Amen. Could you give God a shout of praise, worship and thanksgiving?